welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Stephen Knight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And to the show, we are doing a rapid fire. Haven't done one of these in a while, Andrew. But on the show, we like to answer all of your questions. And many of you will very nicely turn it up to our webinars, ask questions, and we don't always have time to answer them all, often because it's 10 past 8 at night, and I want to answer a couple and then get off to dinner. <laughs> so here we go. We've got 20 of your questions that we are going to answer in 15 minutes. The first one comes from anonymous attendee and says, if your view is that new build investment properties are the best for the long term, what issues do you see with selling townhouses over the long term if buying an existing property is perhaps not as desirable? What's the future demand for townhouses? Now, it's really interesting because in two days' time, we are doing an episode on the changing preferences of people, and we've actually gone through a doctoral thesis where a researcher interviewed 450 different Wellingtonians and showed that there has been a move more towards townhouses over time. You'll have to wait for that data. But the one that I really want to talk to you about is that I can understand why a lot of investors think, you know, maybe a townhouse won't be as easy to sell. But actually, when we've looked at the data, how long it takes to sell a house compared to a townhouse. Yeah, sometimes it does take two to three days long to sell a townhouse, but there are a lot of times, like right now, where actually it's taking longer to sell a house in Christchurch than it is for a townhouse. So I look at the data, I say, actually, not a lot of difference, not much more difficult to sell a townhouse compared to a house. Question from Fesim is, can you usually counter-affect the low yield in a high growth area by short-term renting? So if you buy a property in Ponsonby, can I then put it on Airbnb to try and get a better yield? Look, I don't think that I've seen anything that would suggest that would work. You might get a higher rental amount, but then you might have more higher costs. So often with Airbnb, you'll pay a significantly higher management fee. You'll also pay higher insurance, higher rates. So generally speaking, I don't see that as being a better cash flow after you take all those things into account. In the past, we've always said that Airbnbs might get you an extra 100 bucks a week net per week. But then you've also got to balance that against, well, is the property I'm buying also going to work as an Airbnb? Sometimes the answer will be yes, sometimes no. Next question comes from another anonymous attendee saying, listening to the core logic boys, they reckon from data that we've reached or are starting to reach the end of property doubling every seven to 10 years. Rough growth of 6% might look like 4% going on. What do you think? Well, I certainly do think we probably have reached the end of property doubling every seven to 10 years, which implies a capital growth rate of somewhere between seven to 10% compounding every single year. From our forecast, we always use five to 6%, 6% in Auckland, roughly 5% everywhere else. Now, bear in mind that over the last 30 years, property prices have increased on average by about 7% a year. So we discount that back down to 5%, knock off two percentage points but we still feel relatively confident in 5%. Reason is 2% for inflation, 2% for household incomes increasing, maybe another percentage point for population growth if you're buying in a decent area. Look, whether it's 4% over the long term or 5% over the long term, look, to me, it wouldn't change my decision about whether to invest in property or not because what's the main thing? It's the leverage you get with it because 4% increasing on a 20% deposit is still a 20% return. Andrew, what's next? Shun from Dunedin said, I feel like capital gain is gambling. Is this the case with new builds, especially townhouses? I don't think townhouses or new builds make it any different. I think that capital growth is guaranteed because you're always going to have inflation. What that rate is, 
We don't know. That's why we put some assumptions in place. But I guess if the only way that it's gambling is if you're guaranteed to get a return, you just don't know what the return is. Next comes from Logan who says, how does a first home buyer find or buy a property that will grow in value quickly so you can get enough equity to start running the race? And this really comes from our upcoming book, Wealth Plan, where we talk about people at the starting blocks who then move on to running the race. Look, the property you should buy as a first home buyer, or the property we recommend you should buy as a first home buyer, depends on how you want to grow that equity. Look, if you are going to take the strategy of aggressively paying off that mortgage and relying on capital growth, typically recommend you go for a new built property, generally because that means you're going to be able to buy with a lower deposit, all other things being equal. But if you are going to take that renovations-based strategy, that's where you're probably going to buy an existing property, likely a standalone house if you are able to purchase it, or perhaps an existing townhouse bit rundown that you can give a bit of love to. What's number six, Andrew? Anonymous attendee said, if you can't afford to hold a growth property, are you better to wait or go for a yield property? Now, that's a really good question. Probably this is something you'd have to decide with a financial advisor. I would say the danger with waiting is that you end up waiting for a much longer period of time. So, you know, having something, i.e. a yielding property, is probably the better option, but you want to sit down with a financial advisor and make sure it's the right decision for you. Now, number seven is can you use commercial property as part of your strategy to build wealth and then enjoy it? And that comes from Danny. And the answer is absolutely. So we have a pair of investors that we worked with, and when it came to growing their wealth, they used residential but when they eventually wanted to retire, stop working, I think it was while they were in their kind of mid to late 50s, they ended up buying a commercial property and living off the income. So that's a great way to cross the finish line or earn a passive income. Generally speaking, your commercial properties will tend to provide a slightly higher return, but where a lot of investors get stuck is in the high price of actually purchasing them because commercial properties are much more expensive than residential. So if you can afford it, certainly an option. What I'd just recommend you don't do is buy anything just because it's commercial. Bear in mind that you can buy very cheap, but very low quality commercial that doesn't provide a very good return. So you just want to analyse this as you would with residential. Sinead said, hi guys, hypothetically speaking, if income is good and I come up short on deposit on a new bill because the house is valued lower than what I paid for it, say 10 to 20k, do I have options to bridge the gap to make up the 20%? I don't think any lenders are doing over 80% lending for investments now, but I could be wrong. If you've got other assets, you can always use more usable equity in those. If not, I'd bring in a business partner, so bring in mum or dad, get them in there and give them a return on their money. In the very worst case scenario, and of course you want to speak to a financial advisor, you may also be able to bridge the gap with a personal loan, if it's 10k for example. The next question is from Jono who says, with interest rates rising, does this change your thoughts on paying principal and interest as opposed to interest only? Of course, over the last while that we've been recording the show, we tend to recommend interest only, especially if you've got a personal mortgage. Look, my answer is actually no, Jono, because one of the main strategies to handle the cash flow implications of higher interest rates is to go on interest only if you aren't already. Remember, if you go principal and interest, that is going to mean you've got to put significantly more cash into a property, and that could be a stretch, especially because interest rates are actually rising. So I'd say the opposite. Rising interest rates are actually pushing me even more to consider interest only rather than the opposite. Jono's next question is, are jewel key investments more worthwhile 
in cities like Auckland and Wellington as opposed to Christchurch, i.e. more higher density cities. I'd say somewhat. I think there's some good opportunity for dual keys in Christchurch, but you have probably historically seen more of them in Auckland and Wellington, yes. Double 11 comes from Ramanan, who asks what reasons or scenarios someone at the running the race phase might consider buying a high-yield property as opposed to a growth property? Such a good question. It's when you're trying to build a wealth wheel. So typically we'd talk about, in a more normal interest rate environment, we'd talk about maybe a growth property costing you 100 bucks a week, maybe 150 bucks a week, and a yield property, depending on how it's structured, maybe you can get 300 bucks a week out of that. Not today, but in a more normal interest rate environment. And what some investors will do is they might have two growth properties. They both cost 150 bucks a week. And then they might tack on a yield property. And if you could get one that gave you 300 bucks a week, you can obviously use the cash flow from your yield property in order to pay for those two growth properties. Now, in today's interest rate environment, maybe you're looking at more of a one-to-one, one yield property paying for one growth property. But that's where you might buy a yield property, even if your primary goal is to grow your wealth. Jillian's asked, how long does it take from starting to finally crossing the finish line? I think that traditionally, most investors will probably do that over a 20 to 25 year period. But I've seen investors do it in as short as 10 to 15. Now, the next question comes from Kevin, who says, how soon can you access the equity of your first investment property after settlement? He's bought a new build as his first home, settled, and the valuations come back much higher once to start running that race. Generally, six months. What you'll do, buy that property, get a registered valuation in six months, go back to the bank. Anonymous attendee. Thoughts on developing to invest and how it fits in with your growth yield strategy, i.e. subdividing rentals to build investment properties. Yep, absolutely. That's a great way of not only building your wealth, but improving the cash flow on existing properties if it works. What I would say is don't just assume that you're a developer and that it makes a good development because you can subdivide something because I've done plenty of numbers with investors and I'd say probably eight times out of 10, it actually is better just to hold on to that property or sell it to a developer and then go and buy two properties yourself rather than roll the risk. Cornelius asks, how old is too late? What about 53? Cornelius, you're a spring chicken. 53 is not too late. Though I'd recommend you listen to our previous podcast about how late is too late. Look, once you start getting to 60, then it starts becoming more difficult. But 53, you're a spring chicken, mate. Rabia has asked, do you recommend dumping ownership of existing properties and using those funds to purchase new builds? Again, this is something that you want to talk to a financial advisor about. But for those people who I've looked at their portfolio and they've got a large amount of existing properties, there's often merit in selling some to buy more. Yes. Now, number 17 out of 20 comes from Tony who asks, I've just turned 50. Am I better off investing for capital growth rather than yield? This would be my first investment property. Look, Tony, if you're still at the stage where you need to build your wealth for that crossing the finish line, if you don't have a lot of other assets, I'd probably be suggesting you go for growth because you still need to grow your wealth. But if you had a lot of other assets, maybe some shares, maybe you're a business owner and you're about to sell that property, you're going to come into some cash, that's where you might go for yield. Remember, you're only going to make significant cash flow off these properties, off your yield properties, and you're only going to be able to fund your lifestyle from them if you get rid of that mortgage or specifically have quite a low mortgage. So if you still need to build your wealth and you're just starting out at 50, which is totally fine, some people are, 
then all good, go for a growth property is typically what you'll do. Otherwise, if you've already got assets, yield could be the way to go. Anonymous attendee, which bank gives a 24-month approval? We have a bank rolling ours every three months, and while we wait for the property to be built, the answer to that is Westpac. And number 19, final one for me, comes from Dean, who says, what are the typical weekly top-ups you're seeing for new investors at the moment for growth properties in Auckland and Christchurch? Over the average period that you'd be making a top-up, which is typically eight to nine years, would generally see somewhere between 120 up to $170 a week. But of course, interest rates are really high at the moment. It can be up to around 300 bucks a week. Now, before that sounds really scary, I'd suggest you listen to our previous episode of the seven ways to manage your mortgage top-up because there is a great strategy of using a revolving credit, which a lot of our investors are looking into. And the final question from Matt is, how do you get your loan documented early? Our broker is not offering that option. Is there a trick? Student bank only. There is a trick, and I think most banks will do this, Matt. Basically, what you've got to do is you've got to get all your conditions met. That will probably include a pre-allocated title number. If your broker isn't offering that service, it might just be because it's unfamiliar to them. You can either get them to investigate that more, or you can contact me and I'll put you in touch with someone that will. Okay, and I've got one final bonus question, which is, will the book, our book, Wealth Plan, be a great read for my sister who I'm trying to get into investing on a wealth plan, but she isn't interested? So frustrating. That one comes from Kylie. I do think that this book is going to help you get your sister on board, Kylie, and I'll tell you why. I actually gave it to one of our team who works in our media team, writes for one of our magazines, and she read the book, and she came back to me and said, edit you know what, I really enjoyed reading it. It's made me think that I should start investing in property. And I said, hey, 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 you've been writing for our investment magazines for years. How have you not convinced yourself through all of your writing? She says, I don't know, but now I want to do it. And I really liked that because it's obviously helped her figure out, actually, I do want to invest in property. So I'd recommend that. And if you want to buy that book, Kylie, wealthplanbook.com, you can pick that up for 30 bucks on pre-sale. Or why don't you come along to one of our upcoming book tour events? Remember, we're coming to five cities, Auckland, Christchurch, Wellington, Queenstown, and Havelock North. That's happening mid-November. And again, tickets for that are 30 bucks and include the book as well. Link's down in the show notes. So tap or swipe over the cover art. It's down in there. Or I think we're about to make a change to the website so you're able to get it on there as well. to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McGuite. I'm Andrew Nicol. And we're going to be back here tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most. Until next time, 